Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is my great pleasure to be with you. Good Monday. How's everybody doing? Good to be back. I'm Jeff. That is Tom, Director Matthew in the house. You're you. You're listening to us. That we appreciate greatly. And if you're watching on War Chant TV, welcome aboard. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share so others can find what it is we do. Share the love. All right, let's settle in. There is so much to catch up on at this point. Um, man, gone for spring break, the vacation in the books. I hope if you and yours had one, uh, that it was enjoyable and you guys uh, had a good time. And everybody's safe and happy and back at uh, work trying to survive a Monday after a spring break vacation. And for those that didn't get to go, hang in there. Summer's coming. And it is, uh, what, longer days now to uh, to help you get out and about and have some fun with it. I know that for us that means a return to the practice fields. I'm very excited to get out and see uh, Florida State's a remainder of uh, spring football get underway as there are so many questions to be answered, so many things to talk about and uh, position battles, of course, atop the list, but also as you vet the newer players and get a sense of how they're coming along, acclimating, how well they are responding to a new experience in many cases. And then also the young players, uh, which we told you about before this week-long break, uh, and how well many of them are performing, and how Florida State certainly, uh, as it pertains to guys like uh, Ezra Thomas and guys like that, like if you think about some of the hits that they had and some of the guys that came in here and right off the bat impressed us, we get to watch them further emerge, and that's exciting. Florida State baseball last night, a marathon affair. It's so weird to think about because you guys, if you listen to me uh, consistently, you know I don't get wrapped up in a singular series or in the case of baseball, certainly, and I never really get wrapped up in a result of a game, but I can't tell you how big it was for them to win that game, the second game of the doubleheader last night, to win the series, because they're a flawed baseball team. They've got some things, obviously, wrong with them, um, but if you can figure it out while winning series and winning games in what promises to be uh, an uber-cluttered uh, division and conference to begin with and position yourself uh, from a standpoint of strength uh, while you figure it out, uh, then obviously you give yourself some wiggle room and some margin for error as opposed to dropping games like that one or home series like they almost did yesterday. So for them to get that win in a marathon game that featured more strikeouts than any human being should have to sit through between the two teams um, – is big. It's big. And it's big for their confidence. It's big for positioning, as I said, within the standings. It's big for potentially down the road, strength of schedule. All these things are impacted greatly, oddly, uh, by, by a series like that. And again, I don't want to overstate uh, exactly what they are or are not just yet, but some things are rounding into form, some good, some not so good. 
and we'll have to you know monitor this closely this week to get UCF. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm mainly now focused, obviously, on when we ever get around to playing Florida, but also, of course, uh, the weekend series every week now against ACC teams and having the opportunity to kind of see what Florida State is. What I'm noticing is that uh, a lot of the teams in this conference and throughout the country are flawed. They're, they're terribly flawed. Florida State's no different. There are some real strengths to this team. I would say that you have an emerging uh, competition as to who should sit where in that rotation. Uh, because, again, you got another great start from your Sunday guy who's emerging more and more, perhaps from a pure stuff standpoint, Tom, uh, as a guy that is now no longer uh, really kind of the back end of your rotation, but a guy that may need to move up who's gaining confidence to couple with the stuff that he has. Yeah, what was interesting to me yesterday was I felt like for the first game of the doubleheader that maybe Hubbard was auditioning for the Friday job mm. because Messick had slipped up and his ERA had, had gone into the threes. Yeah. And maybe he was thinking that too. I don't know. You, he was terrible. You just can't know. Uh, well, so the infield defense looked like they'd never seen a bunt before either. Yeah. Uh, even though that was quite the slappy half inning from NC State. Sure. Still. Field the position, pick getting it up. out, pick it up, let's yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, they weren't all on earned runs. So uh, for you know Hubbard, I thought he had a chance to take the Friday job. Uh, I think it will stay the way it is. But look out for Ross Dunn. Yeah. Look out for him. Well, and I, I said to you early on in the season when we saw him where the moment might have been a little too big his first time out there. He was striking out the world, but he got himself in trouble with some walks. And, you know, you, basically his pitch count was through the roof through three innings and he had to come out. But you saw the stuff. And he's a big, strong kid. And I think he has a diversity of stuff that, in terms of the amount of pitches he can throw for a strike, I think he potentially could emerge as a Friday guy. I think that highly of him. And it's a good problem to have. On the other hand, you referenced some things that are problematic for this team, and that is uh, they're wildly inconsistent picking up the baseball again. Their defense is not good. Uh, they have games where they look good, like the first game, and then the second game they're they're awful. You know, it's it's just it's it's interesting to watch. Uh, frustrating to watch is a better way of describing it, I think. They also uh, swing and miss too much. So we're back to that again. Uh, a whole lot of swing and missing. For that matter, though, they do that to everybody they face. Uh, they strike out the world, too, and so the games combine for way too many balls not put in play. Yeah, so we were looking at two things. At least I, I talked about this as the two barometers I'll be checking in at you know certain marks of the season. Number one was strikeouts four, and there was a good gap between us and and the opponents about a week ago, two weeks ago. It's um it's taking a turn for the worse. Yeah, there yeah. are up and downs in the season, and the other one was unearned runs allowed, and we were really healthy before we left for spring break. Since then, yeah, it's gotten a little shakier. So yep. you know we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, but um. It looks closer to last year in those two categories than it was the Friday we left. Yeah, so what are they, 19 games into the season at 13-6? and six. I'm not looking at it. I think that's right from what I remember last night. So if that's the case, then um, you know, in about another 10 games, you'll be able to say, okay, you know, right, this right. is who they are and, 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 and the good and the bad and everything in between. Not to say that guys don't get better. I mean, you're, seeing, you're talking about done. I mean, guys are getting better. And in the oddity is the bullpen, which is ass yeah. up to this point, pure ass, uh, has a couple of emerging players that you get really excited about, which screams to me. Now, I'm a guy who, let's just say for a moment here, I'm going to be the fan. I'm going to, woo, okay, here I am fanning. Stop rolling certain guys out there to get their – Lit, okay? Well, I thought in game two there was a concession. 
there was a, there was a concession in game two that yeah, you listen, yeah, you're just he, gonna have to wear it. But they <laughs> they had to go right back and dip in without recording it out in the seventh inning. I think it was right top of the seventh. They're like, yeah, wear it. We've got another game today. Correct. Let's go. I'll live with that. But then there's a certain guy that every but time then Scalaro coming in, you know, you. Yeah, yes, yeah. Can yes. we stop rolling his ass out there? He's terrible right now. Terrible. It's um. There are a couple guys that I'd rather not it, see get the, that many opportunities. My my supposition is the guys who pitch well in the fall are not doing so now, and so yes, it is time to pivot. We are yep. we are nearing April, so you should have some answers there. Well, and you, you're seeing some guys really emerge and save Correct. the day. So that's the the thing that's yeah. exciting is watching a couple of guys when given opportunities amidst real pressure, right? Uh, step up huge and put you in a position to win a game like that because they step up and they're asked to do more than they would ever be asked to do otherwise, two and three and four innings at a time. Uh, meanwhile, other guys are asked to pitch an inning and can't get anybody out ever. Right. right. Ever. Bleed ever. the middle, double off the wall, oh, dong the other dong, way. Dong, yeah. dong, yeah. dong. You're just waiting on a dong. You're like, yeah. oh, I, I don't want to look because I know I'm going to see a dong. This is not good. Mm. That's how that looks. Every time you're like, oh, settling in. I'm sheepishly watching this inning for fear that a dong will emerge. Mm. And every time it does, you're like, well, there it is again. Damn it, man. Can I? Is this movie ever going to end? But as the guy who a couple of weeks ago we had a fiery discussion about midweek losses and, hey, man, stop doing that because if you want, you know, a separator between a national 16 seed or top 8 seed, you need to stop losing those midweek games. Well, we're still in position as we sit here with a lot of flaws to be a top 8 national seed. So so oh, far, uh, yeah, so no, no. far, Again, it's not bad. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. This, this will be a fun watch. It'll be a fun watch. They, there's the potential for this team to be very good. There's the potential for them to fall off a cliff. So uh, it's gonna be interesting. They've also. To- I, I, can I check that real quick? Sorry, I, I, I just haphazardly threw that out there, and I realized hearing it aloud, I'm wrong. There is no chance they fall off a cliff because they can. They're starting pitching. Right. So right. they may be average. They're not going to ever be bad. Their floor, yeah, yeah their yeah, floor yeah, is yeah, average yeah. to above average. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify that because I, I, I realized how that sounded when I said it. No, that's fair. I forgot what I was going to say. I'll come back <laughs> to it later. I just, I want to get it out oh, there. They're not going to be bad. I know. Uh, the, uh, the hide skin is, is certainly, um, you know, garnet and hue. They, they've definitely embraced that. Mm-hmm. Did you notice Ferrer's, um Ooh. rounding of the bases? Yeah. I mean, he's not the only one. Terrell has done it. Oh, I mean, yeah. we've, we got a lot of guys who will. Um, pound their chest and let you know what just happened. But every single member of the Wolfpack <laughs> who was standing in the infield or the outfield, if you look at that walk-off home run replay, yeah. they all turn around and stare at Mr. Ferrer as he takes every step, and they're taking notes. Oh, Now, yeah. I I don't think you can hit somebody intentionally in college baseball, well, you can. but if we play them in the ACC tournament, well, I would say look out first at bat because every single member – of the of the on field group of nine, yeah. was staring at well, him every step as he's shouting at them and pointing at them. I'm like, that, my man, that goes back to Terrell though. I, that goes I, back to Terrell. I, I know yeah. Terrell did it too. Oh, he didn't just do it. He threw the I, bat at their dugout yeah, and looked at him. Yeah, there's. I'm telling you, if this isn't the garnet and gold that we love, right? You and I, we're we're not. They're not likable. They're not likable because of those kind of antics. You'd say clown show. When you're going to strike out 28 times in the game and you're going to do that in a walk-off situation, that's a, that's a clown show move. We need to grow up a little bit there. It's collegiate. It's 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 actually part and parcel to collegiate baseball across the board. I watch a little other college baseball. I'm, I'm not. I don't mean yeah, that. I don't, I don't like mean, those teams either. Hold on. I don't mean that chidingly. I'm saying 
it's a clown show is right. College baseball has morphed across the board into that kind of thing. And oddly, our embracing it later, as right. opposed to many others, is is in a weird way, I think necessary for whatever reason bravado wells up from from that that these kids embrace. Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit of you and me being old, but also rightly pointing to that and criticizing that. It, sure. Well, hey, listen, first of all, let me say they are mine and I love them because they wear the garnet and the gold. So so we're good on that front. It's not like I don't like this team to the point where I wouldn't root for them. Of course. Now, that's nuts. That's absolutely nuts. You know who they are? They're 86 Bro- Mets? The Brooks Kepka. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Brooks isn't making putts and walking into Justin oh, Rose eye to eye and going. Oh, well, no golfer does that. You'd yeah. have to be... I'm talking the equivalency. <laughs> the douchebaggery of the blonde hair and all the things that he does on the regular, that's, that's what they are. That's what they are. But oh, you still love they're, they're a louder version of that. They're <laughs> yes. a much louder version of that. No, because listen, I mean, Tiger was uh, demonstrative, right? So it, it wouldn't be unprecedented for somebody who loved Tiger like Brooks to be demonstrative. But my man will sink an eagle putt and he'll barely acknowledge the fans. Like, these guys, if they hit a single in the 11th, they're like, ah! Oh! And it's just like, all right, all right that's I screaming. Got you. Yeah, that's, it's weird. It, well, what happened is there's an entire generation of athlete that was rewarded for making a layup and going, ah! After a layup right, right. on a game on a Tuesday night, fifth game of the season, and they're three and two. <laughs> they scream after an and one. That An entire generation of player grew up on that. And every commercial made by ESPN features somebody saying, let's yeah. go, and screaming like an idiot. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's every time a play is executed properly, somebody screams, let's go, right. and yells to the top of their lungs. It's sort of the fake silliness that Russell Wilson expresses or go back to, uh, we can go on and on. There are any number of Mr. players. Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. It makes me want to run out of the room. I want to leave when you do. Stop. Don't do it. I can't stand it. Mm. Can you? Oh. Let's get to something else, which is the NCAA tournament and how you should not bet on it. Go ahead. Can I offer one more thing? Because you'll <laughs> laugh at this. Okay. A mutual uh, friend of ours uh, watching mm-hmm. both softball and baseball yesterday, just back and forth. And. Um, you know, there was a stolen base or something for the softball team. We get on third base. I think it was a, a missed throw into the uh, on a steal attempt, so we go to third. And on third base, our player does like the crane, like a crane dance. And it's just like ridiculous. And the guy goes, and to his credit, he goes, you know what? I can handle that a lot better because our baseball team would be pelvic thrusting right now, which is just a little much. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's a good point. There's like silly, and then there's, oh, my. Yeah, and we're a little bit on the oh my more than the silly department. Can I do the thing where I for for all of us temporarily to wave the the ACC flag? Can I do that? Can I as I segue to the NCAA tournament? Because when it's wave it, yeah. Oh, I'll wave the hell out of it now. Because when it's convenient, we should note it. When it's not, we should make fun of it. So I'm going to embrace... Well, maybe at uh, 500 in the conference, we should have gotten in. Apparently. Apparently. All these sorry saps. Well, I would just tell you that this is uh, murderer's row to get through the season at 500 is a remarkable accomplishment that was not properly, uh, I think, analyzed and rewarded uh, because clearly 
in typical fashion, the selection committee uh, undervalued the strength of the mighty ACC. The conference is 8-2 and two in the NCAA tournament, Tom, and three of the five teams are headed to the Sweet 16, and if Notre Dame hadn't choked in the last two minutes of their game, it'd be four of the five headed to the Sweet 16. Uh, looks like the best conference in America. Just saying. Yeah. If you want to do the thing where a tournament one-off result tells you everything you need to know about the previous 30-plus games played by any of the teams in the NCAA tournament. So here's the solution to make it a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, move the ACC Big Ten Challenge to February <laughs> because then the committee would have a better idea of relative conference strength and what these teams are because we define, everything is defined by what happens in that ACC Big Ten Challenge for those two conferences early on in the season. Outside of maybe uh, a few other non-conference results that are like the elite tournaments that are, are separate, the conference ones. It's like Ken Palm reflects it. The net system reflects it. Yeah. Every system. It's like they buy into whatever they learned in that non-conference meetup in early, December, early. beginning of December, mind you. But let's do those things later in the year so that maybe, just maybe, well, we don't have to have a team win 13 games in this conference to make it to, you know, an 11 seed. Well, I'm going to do this, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out how silly all of this is because if we're just going to play the game where whatever narrative was started before the season began and must be played to in its talking points week to week, no matter the results or only utilizing early season results and then finding a way to morph that to the aforementioned narrative, um, then, then really we're in for this sort of result every time a tournament doesn't go according to the seeding because that's exactly what happens. Right now, the ACC looks like a bunch of world beaters. The Big 12 looks like the best conference in America. It might be. I don't know. They've lived up to the hype, certainly. The two most overrated conferences, based on tournament results, are clearly the overhyped Big 10. And good God, the SEC, sorry ass. Thanks. You get six teams in, and you got one going to the Sweet 16. Yeah, what happened to Bruce Pearl? Yeah, so there it is, right? Well, what happened to Bruce Pearl was a huge raise. He didn't care. He said he's in the middle of kiss my ass on Main Street moment. It's an earlier exit to the beach for that fat ass. He's set. So... Listen, this happens all the time with the tournament. There have been years where the ACC was clearly the best conference in America over the course of a long season and then had a bad tournament, and all of a sudden, everyone's, see, the ACC sucks. And then other times, uh, that has a bad year, and then the ACC would tie that Earl Woods? I think that was Earl. Somewhere in there. And then other times, uh, you know, there's been a conference that had a relatively down campaign for a variety of reasons. Paint the picture, Tiger. (laughs) I'll be in the hotel room, but go paint the picture on the green. So there's that, and then that team goes, and then a bunch of teams go off in the in the NCAA tournament. Matchups suit them. Somebody gets hot from the field and goes crazy. A guy who's shooting twenty percent from three hits ten in a game, and the next thing you know, they move on. Like that's what happens in one-off tournaments. I'm, I'm not saying either. I'm just saying it's pretty funny to watch all of this play out the way that it has. But I will warn you, which I did both on the college sports book and on this show before I left for Montana, the NCAA tournament. Boy, I'll tell you what, that is not where you make your money. That's not where you make your money. It's that A lot of that is luck in terms of betting. A lot of that is pure luck. And sight it, lines in, in barns that right. they never played never in before. Never played in before. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's just you watch this thing play out, you're like, okay, look, cool story, good for St. Peter's. They're not as good of, as 58 teams that are in this tournament. But there they are. They found the magic for a night, and they knocked off a two-seed, and then they got Murray State, which whatever, and they're in the Sweet 16. So 
you know, I, I, it's fun. I love the tournament. It was great. What I got to see of it this week when I was out of town, which I did a lot of actually because we were off the slopes usually early evening in time to kind of settle in and cozy up to the bar and have a cold one and watch uh, as we kind of thought back on the day of skiing. We watched the basketball and had a great time. But it did. it, it made me laugh. It just made me laugh. I mean, that first game, Notre Dame-Rutgers, right? So I've got the under of that game. Oh, thanks for the double overtime, oh, guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I had uh, well, yeah. I had Irish minus a point or half a point, and that was – I was like, man, you're going to make me stay up. Yeah, you're well – make me stay up the whole way. We've got this under under control here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the double overtime. Well, okay. So the, the the trend I've learned is is you're safer to bet unders across the board because of the lack of comfort level with the court and yeah. the settings mm-hmm. and the sight lines for the teams that you know are shipped in from different parts of the country. I'm like, oh, it, this is what Des Moines looks like. Right, We're from Long right, Beach. Right. Um, but there were just a couple of, of real clunkers that you could have never seen coming. If you look at efficiency metrics across the board, uh, Loyola Chicago barely scored a point a minute out of nowhere. What the hell is that? Iowa? Iowa was in a lot of people's final fours. Oh, my God. They couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. It was amazing. Yeah. A lot of teams did that. Colorado State did that. They started well against Michigan, and then nothing. Absolutely nothing after that. Just so many terrible offensive performances that it you know it just blew up a lot of brackets. Most brackets are not standing anymore. Uh, zero nationally uh, are standing. Uh, yeah. There there are none as usual. Oh, perfect ones. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. perfect brackets. But I mean, like yeah. people are down. Like I've got one team left in my <laughs> final four, and well, that's the routine. A lot of people had an emerging Kentucky squad going into the tournament to go very deep, if not win the whole thing. Well, then, thanks for playing grand opening, grand closing. It's a lot of fun to watch that play out. If if you're actually not putting together a bracket, it's really fun. I actually am finding, and I sound like a curmudgeon, that I enjoy this tournament more when I don't fill out a bracket. Now, I like to gamble. So if you say to me, hey, I'm going in at the bar with you know Larry, John, Bill, Terry, you guys want to put together? Yeah, sure, I'll throw 20 bucks into that and have some fun with it. But in terms of seriously gambling, like I like to seriously gamble on golf, I like to seriously gamble on football, I like to seriously gamble on college football, I like to seriously gamble on the NBA, I like to seriously gamble on baseball. You really can't do it for the NCAA like tournament. I like to seriously gamble on NFL preseason. Yeah, I like to seriously, seriously gamble, gamble on, any on the UFC soon. If I find an angle on uh, swimming, I'll take it. But you know what I'm saying is... You can't do it with the NCAA WrestleMania. Tournament. <laughs> hey, the all-time great Gene Deckeroff announced over the weekend, or it was learned over the weekend, that he's going to retire. I have some thoughts on that next. Jeff Cambridge at 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply i can't Jeff Kimmer, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is great to be back on the air with you. Thanks for uh, allowing me and the family to roll out of here for a week of uh, fun and, and, and rejuvenation. And I am, and I'm ready to go, and I'm excited. I mentioned before the break that the great Gene Deckeroff, uh, we became aware, uh, decided to uh, to hang it up. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. You know, Tom, we just saw Gene 
at the coaches' luncheon there at the uh, before spring football. Yeah, he scored uh, an empanada just before it started, and he goes, "Timing is everything." As he sat down, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, first, though, a reminder: spring is here. It's beautiful outside. The weather's warming up. You're gonna be wearing less clothes, guys and gals. We got to get it together. Got to start looking right. Sign up at Orange Theory Fitness today. First class, always free. It will pay immediate dividends. You'll feel good. You'll feel better. You'll feel locked in and committed pretty quickly because it's science-backed and based. That interval training methodology, which is used in really most sports these days, will show immediate impact on your body type but also your overall fitness. And uh, once you get a glimpse of what's possible, you'll want to go back. You'll want more life. That's what Orange Theory Fitness provides. Orange Theory Fitness, first class, always free. In fact, new members... If you sign up uh, with that first month being free, you also get a heart rate monitor. You're good to go um, for that month. So make sure uh, you take advantage of the opportunity and uh, and, and get started as we get set to uh, to be outside a little bit more often, which I'm really excited about, orangetheoryfitness.com. All right, so much to catch up on. NFL free agency, the NCAA tournament again. Also, uh, of course, Spring football getting back underway. We already tackled baseball. I mentioned a moment ago, Gene Dagarov, I want to revisit that now. Uh, I was surprised to hear that news, Tom, and I was in the in the midst of flying back and traveling when that all went down and really didn't have an opportunity to kind of weigh in other than a quick tweet, uh, which can't do it justice. I saw yours. It made me laugh because I remember that exact moment that we were sitting there and that happened, uh, you, me, and Corey Dower, and um, how hard we laughed at that with the Krispy Kreme's donuts. Krispy Kreme oh, donuts. Man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all-time great. I never asked or got clarification from him. Where the hell that came from? They weren't a sponsor that he was doing live reads for. There were no donuts. And there were no donuts. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah, so it was weird. Um, it, but I, I want to do this really quickly. Uh, Gene is uh, he's a legend. There's not much more I can add to it that people don't already know and or have stated publicly. People with more influence certainly than me or better stature than me in the broadcasting world. Uh, so I don't want to put myself alongside... Uh, Gene Dekaroff in that way, in terms of his relationship to FSU and being the voice for as long as he has and the connection with so many alumni and fans across the country, whether it be Florida State or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or any number of other things, certainly across sports, you name it, right? But I will relate to you about the man that I know and how fortunate I've been. When I first broke into the business, 97, 98, 98 really, I get started and one of the coolest things to happen for me, I had only at this point, I'd never met Gene Deckeroff. I'd only heard him because of my dad. You know, he would play Florida State uh, football games. In the 80s, a lot of times the games weren't on television in St. Petersburg. So he would, you know, and the Knowles were always playing Saturday nights at Doak, right? That was the famous thing. So we would listen to the broadcast. And later on, you know, just time and again over the years, we would listen to Florida State broadcast. And, of course, I, you know, it's synonymous, Gene Deckeroff. Well, one of the things that I always thought was interesting is I get in, I get an opportunity to get into radio, and I start doing radio, and then eventually I leave this one small station, and I, and I start with Clear Channel in Tallahassee. And my show was on, you know this, at 6 yeah, o'clock. good company, good company. Six o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning, right? So I was doing radio at 6 o'clock a.m. And I, I was still trying to find my way. I didn't know nothing about nothing. And Lee Bowen 
former play-by-play announcer for Florida State Baseball, uh, was my boss. And we would, he would sit down and we would talk. We'd go over each day's shows. And then as kind of a way to ingratiate uh, me to other people in the business or people that I was going to have to interview or talk to while covering Florida State Athletics and really anything local, Florida A&M at that time, also the Tiger Sharks, uh, as well as, you know, any number of other entities, whatever it was going to be, right, TCC, you name it, right? He would he, he would say, hey, this week we're going to go meet this coach or we're going to meet this coach. And I remember the first time I met Mike Martin. Oh, it was a big deal. We went in to sit down before the season started, sat at the table. Mike Martin didn't know me from Adam. I didn't know him, but I knew who he was, obviously, and I was overwhelmed and 11 was great. The first time that... I ever got to meet Gene Deckerhoff was kind of unexpected. Back then, we used DAT tapes and other mini CD recorders. And Gene did so many commercials for Clear Channel and other type broadcasts for them, promotional things like that, that he would drop off the coach's show that he did with Bobby Bowden or anybody else that he did a coach's show with at about 5.30 in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning, to Clear Channel, they had a side door, still there. Uh, you know, the one you and I went to, but Jeff Horn's office. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep, I was I was told at the last second, hey, Gene Deckeroff's going to be here, and he's going to drop off these tapes, and we're going to use them later in the day. Make sure you're at the door. Nobody told me it was going to be part of my gig. So I was so excited, like a little kid. I was like, this is cool as hell. I get to talk to Gene Deckeroff over coffee every morning, or, you know, at least a couple times a week. And that's how I got to meet him. And he was, I, I want to say, in character at 5 o'clock in the morning, just the way he is at 9 o'clock at night. Well, he, did he come in for coffee, or did he just drop the tapes? Sometimes. Most there, of the time, he would drop the tapes. There you go. Yeah. But that that was him. And he would hand it to you. And I would open the door, and I would see him, and I would be like, that's Gene Deckerhoff. And it took like a good year every time I saw him to, for me to get past that, where I would just think, Oh, that's, that's Gene Deckeroff. I, I I would say that to myself as I'm walking back down the hall. Like, that's Gene Deckeroff. Cool. Eventually, I was like, oh, hey, Gene's here. Cool. Over the years, we had conversations. And it was always, obviously, it would be about sports or it would be about whatever it might be. Um, and he was so gracious, so kind. And every now and again, he would just posit or offer up uh, a word of wisdom or advice. But he certainly never, I mean, even as the show got popular, and then I may have said some things that were pretty controversial that maybe he didn't agree with or whatever it might be, never changed. Never changed at all. It was always sort of, you got to do what you do. You got to be honest with your audience. I may disagree with you. I'm not going to hold that against you personally. That's fine. And we would have honest dialogue together. I'm not saying Gene and I hung out a ton. Certainly Tom Block hung out with Gene a lot more than I did on the road, and others have spent a lot more time with Gene. But I have certainly got to know Gene very well over the years. And he's just such an honest and candid and kind and forthcoming person. And um, he genuinely roots for people. I mean, I want to say that. Like anybody, like you get these kids come on the beat for the first time. Uh, maybe they're working for the FSVU or something. Maybe they're, maybe they're still in college they're cutting their teeth, their feet, you know, they're just getting their feet wet, whatever it might be. They're in awe. They're learning. They make mistakes. Gene treats everybody equally. And here he is, a legend. And I don't, I assume most people probably think that's true. 
probably know that, but I'm telling you it is. I've watched it happen over the course of 20-plus years that I've been in broadcasting, specifically here. He's always been that way. Yeah, the thing I'd say is um, I mirrored him for one weekend. It was Florida State, NC State here. It was Jimbo's final season, I think. And uh, we had lost the game on Saturday afternoon. And that was the one where they said that they were going to double uh, Chubb. Right, you know, and and, and uh, didn't yeah, Trickett's like we're going to make sure we chip, we do all these didn't things, do any and it was singles all day, and then he spit on the logo at the end. Yeah, yeah. So when bad things happen to him, that's okay by me. But uh, I'm in the airport to fly to Minneapolis because I'm going to cover Buccaneers Vikings the next day, working with Joe Bucks fan. And there's Gene. Wouldn't you know? It? He had a police escort from Doke <laughs> to get to the airport. Yeah. I didn't go to the game that day because I had to get through security. And he came uh, w- within the police escort. Also was Anthony Becht. And, nice um, guy, by the way. Who is yeah. and a giant. Big oh, ass dude. Man. Big ass dude. Yeah. That is a huge human. He needed to be in first class. Yeah. Like he couldn't fit He's anywhere a monster, else. Yeah. And Rocky Boyman was there too. And so they rode together and they were just yucking it up as they were going in. And I'm, I'm walking through. Gene recognizes on the second leg of the flight. He's like, oh, wait a minute. How you doing? But he was talking <laughs> to everybody about the Bucks game, and, and Anthony had played for Tampa. So of course. Like, it's going to be a tough haul this weekend in Minneapolis. I'm like, well, they've just been talking. Why do you have to sound so proper? But that's Gene. Yeah, he's always in the mode. Always in the mode. Yeah, and and That's an exhausting trip. My point, actually, the overriding point is to do that for you know, decades – to be on a call on a Saturday, and if you can swing it, sometimes he misses an FSU game because he'll cover cover the Bucks, like the London trips and things like that. I remember he left at halftime one year to go to London. Mm-hmm. How exhausting that is! I know it's two days a week, but it's two days of hell. And then sometimes he's calling basketball games like two days later. That's just a lot, and he's been doing that forever. That's really tough. Forty so plus years. That's off to yeah. him. I, I think too. Um, one one final thing on this. And he's such a, a just. Again, a genuinely kind guy. Uh, he's the last of kind of an old school broadcasting type archetype. There, there aren't going to be too many more guys who sound like that. Now, there's a part of me, and I I have to be careful how I word this. There's a part of me that says that the industry has grown up a little bit, and we're no longer forcing guys into a set of parameters that you have to follow and abide by. You can be polished. And he is certainly, he's capable of being very polished. You can be a a part of who you are and not a a caricature. But the old school guys had to sound a certain way. And Gene is that. He is the embodiment of that, right? He sounds like those broadcasters that he probably probably emulated um, growing up. Like the idea of a broadcaster. And I find that fascinating. I, I do. Uh, when those guys are gone, they're gone. And so you take time to kind of take a step back and you think, well, there's good and bad in the industry progressing. Some of the bad is uh, self-evident. We could find any number of examples of that. But some of the good is also very obvious as well as they break away from that mold. And Gene is really kind of the last of a certain kind of broadcaster. He is, he is a, a dying breed. Yeah, the um, the unfortunate thing was I figured the announcement meant that he was going to call this fall. I thought so, know? too, yeah. And then it's like the spring game. I was like, that's where I, my breath was taken away. I'm like, you mean like a month from now? That's it? That was actually kind of tough as an old fan because I I was much like your dad was. In the 90s when, when I was mm-hmm. you know lucid enough to remember football games, Florida State was pretty much on every week. There would be sometimes yeah, it'd be like yeah. ESPN two. It'd be on pay per view if they were playing like Duke or something. 
But outside of a Duke game or an out-of-conference Week 2 game, you'd find them on ESPN2, ABC, wherever. But we would always turn it down and play Gene. And we liked it because it was about a half second ahead. Only about a half second. But right. it was enough where, like, as the quarterback's throwing, you're like, is Completed. it caught? Like, it's yeah, caught! Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. yes! Yeah, yeah. All right, this is great news. Uh, but it was first Florida State for me. Even though I grew up in Tampa, that's where I heard him first, and it was jarring. Like, he's still going to you know finish out his current contract with the Bucks, which is great. So he's not totally gone from my listening habits, but I, I thought, damn, man, you don't get a send-off tour this next fall? That's well, tough. Yeah, and I... You know, we'll get a chance to talk to Gene. We'll see Gene here soon as spring practice gets underway again this week, and I'm looking forward to talking with him. And I, um, I thought about reaching out via text and and saying something. Then I thought, no, I'd rather talk to him face to face. But it, as long as this is something that he is absolutely ha- he's chosen to do, and 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 in for whatever reason, right? He just decided that it's too much to handle both. I, he's going to walk away. I did a little bit of digging. Uh, because, I mean, anything, you know, anything like this, like an abrupt retirement, you, get, you you're going, nervous, hey, yeah. hey, I hear it is totally, it was time kind of a thing. Well, not, not, you know, a bad thing. That's really good to hear because I think he'll be even better as a broadcaster for the Bucks this year. Um, it's just taxing uh, it, it, to do all that he does. Uh, really quickly, and I'll only address this because we got some emails. Somebody said something on the thread. I saw there was a thread on War Chain as well, so I would address this. Any of you that have mentioned my name for that job, uh, I can't tell you what a, a nice compliment that is and how flattering that is. Guys, that is a job that I think is suited, in my personal opinion, I think that job is so suited for the likes of Tom Block, who is such a professional play-by-play announcer. He is I think he's exceptional at what he does. He's a friend of mine, so in the interest of transparency, I'm telling you, I'm biased. I like Tom a lot. I also think he's really good at what he does, and I think he's perfectly suited for that job. Tom Block, in my opinion, should be number one on the list of people that they're considering. I think it's a no-brainer, personally, that it would segue to Tom Block. I believe that. To answer for those of you who had said, hey, would you like to do it? Is that something that you'd be up? Listen, I, I, a few years ago, I had a conversation with somebody, let's put it that way, in which my name was kicked around a little bit for a possibility of, down the road. Okay, Not, not, not that I was going to get the job, just I was going to be somebody they would talk to amongst others. right? And I remember thinking, this is surreal. I don't even know what to say about this. Do I think I could be a play-by-play announcer? I've done play-by-play before in other sports. Could I do that? Yes. Do I think I'm anywhere as uh, professional and ready uh, to do something like that uh, in the same sense that Tom Block is? No. No, no, no. I don't think that. So uh, if that were something, and I don't even know that I would be very good at it. I don't know that I would like it. I know that Tom Block will be good at it. I know he will. Could you handle the filters? Yeah, I, see, that's the funny thing. Uh, how many years? Are you of, sure? Oh, easily. Okay. Easily. Right. Well, you know, you work with me, man. I mean, there are days I go in here and I just, we go from one second talking a certain way to getting on the mic and not. No, I understand. No, I don't mean about FCC violations. Oh, I you're talking about, about taking things personally when a guy drops a ball. Like, would it be, would, would catch the ball be one of your catchphrases that people know in the stands? No, no, because I would know who I was working for. I got a taste, okay, by yeah, the way. That's... By the way, I got a taste of that. <laughs> I did, by the way, FSU's official pregame show many years ago um, with the late Monk Bonasort throughout the state. And I learned a very valuable lesson. Uh, I was critical 
of the team, uh, in particular an offensive line coach, a uh, previous offensive line coach, and their ineptitudes. And we would field questions throughout the state. I got a question from a guy in Ocala. I'll never forget it. He was as fed up, clearly, as I was uh, in watching our offensive line. And he asked a question, and I answered it very succinctly and directly. We went to commercial break. Lee Bowen was producing the show, and Monk Bonasort looked at me stunned and said, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, you can't, you can't do that. You, you can't do that. I said, what? I go, we suck. We can't block anybody. You know that. He goes, yes, you and I both know that. You can't say that, man. We're working for the... <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So Like, you know, a Jacksonville state-level loss or even something more neutral. Let's say we progress as a program. An unexpected loss to Wake in a year where no. maybe in the Atlantic. And, and let's just say that you were in that position and you've got to do the coaches show on a Monday night. I could do it. Man. I could do it professionally. No, because you there's a mindset you would have to I'm not saying I'm not lobbying for the job. I, I want Tom I Block to get the no, job. I want Tom Block to get the job. I'm what I'm saying is that you can put on a certain like you could you could wear a mindset. You can say to yourself, I'm going in this broadcast booth to work for Florida State University. It is not my job in this situation to be critical. I'm not being an, an analyst. Right. I'm not being an analyst. Nor am I being paid for my opinion in that role. Right. Here I'm paid for my opinion on a daily basis. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't be doing my job. And that role is passionate as I am about Florida State. I would understand I'm not an analyst in that role. It's not my job. I'll tell you the guy dropped the ball. Second and 10, that's an unfortunate drop pass. Third and 10. I don't if know. you kept it to that, that's an unfortunate drop. That would be, oh, be impressive. I, th- I mean, there would be emotional calls. William, we both know that's oh, ridiculous. Well, first of all, <laughs> if I was working with my dear friend William Floyd, I do think that might be a recipe for disaster. We've known each other since we were 12, and we know everything about each other's personality. I do think we would probably become too fanish and yeah, yeah we, we would wear our emotions he already wears his emotions on his sleeve yeah my thing is in a situation like a coach's show and you working for the university which makes me kind of gag inside a little bit right well but, i don't currently so don't yeah worry about that, it. that's what i'm saying you know but i would love to compare your poker face with jimbo's during press conferences you know coach how about the offensive line this week you know your thoughts there or if a caller asked that or whatever we've got a question from uh yeah, yeah. you know we're, yeah, Pasco. yeah, Pasco yeah. County. They yeah. want to know about the offensive line. Like I'd, I'd be reading you, facial expressions. Like, you oh, know yeah. me so well that yeah. you would also. I worry. In well, that but also you know my facial expressions, and you're forever pointing out to me like, well, that guy now knows you hate him, and I'm like, what? And you're like, oh, it was written all over your face as you answered the question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't ever notice that. Well, I think my yes. face betrays me in that hate way. Hate the question more than hate the yeah. Correct. Uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I don't personally hate a stranger. <laughs> but but yes, it might very well be where I'm like, oh, oh yes. So right. your question was yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Where no, I, I think I, uh, I think uh, Mr. Front Row Knowles is uh Oh Thomas. He's so perfectly suited for it. And he's got enough snark in him too that he'll keep you on your toes. Uh, I yeah. think he held back from that a little bit when he was filling in for Gene out of respect for the chair. That it's not his. You know, when he would take a job when Gene was doing mm-hmm. yeah. London or, or sometimes basketball games when it's, you know, the yeah. schedule's all over the place. 
But I think if he took the the job, there would be enough dry in there, enough dry humor that you go, ooh, all right. Got a little something to uh, it. I hope he gets it. I wish him well. There are other good broadcasters out there. I don't want to besmirch anybody or overlook anybody. I just uh, Tom's a friend. I've always thought he was really good at what he does. He's smooth. Um the, the ins and outs of the breaks, he'll handle like a pro's live reads, pro, live reads, all that stuff. Yeah, no problem there. He's an old through and through. Uh, I just, not that that's required for you to do the job, but, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll do a fine job. I think he'll, he's a good choice. That's my personal opinion. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. So, real brief segment here. We went long about the great uh, Gene Degaroff. We'll uh, get back after it and talk some, uh, tackle some Florida State football stuff. And uh, also, by the way, not, the locker rooms good, 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 good. I'm so caught up on you know things that aren't aesthetically pleasing and more tangible, such as the X's and O's, talent level. Are we going to win games? That sometimes when we get these moments that are help elevate the program, maybe help out in recruiting in some way or another, I'm like, great, great, that's good. The building looks nice. I get straight back to the, are we good enough? Are we going to have enough receivers? Are we, you know, that's kind of where I, my head's at. It's, it's just me personally being wrapped up in results right now. Looks like the Starship Enterprise and the J.J. Abrams reboot of the, uh, of Star Trek. I was like, man, this, this looks like a spaceship in here. But it's cool. Does that mean we get the all-white uniforms with the white helmets? Come on. Say, it yeah. matches the locker room. What are we doing here, guys? Love the white on white, baby. Always have. You have to wear those if that's going to be your locker room. I mean, at least once a year, yeah, you would think. Indeed. Right? Yeah, I would I would hope. And not for USF at noon in 112 degree heat. <laughs> oh, I hope I hope it is so. Um, yeah, so really quickly, I thought of this. I thought you talk about my frustrations. Well, okay, I'm being told to shut the hell up. Let's get into all of it the next hour. All right, Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. 